all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. Good morning, and thanks for joining us on Relatively Speaking. We're going to be talking about why some people love being frightened and some don't. You know, horror movies are made for a reason. They're popular. People flock to see them. Yesterday was Halloween. Are you one of those people who loves to scream and fright? Well, there's really science behind why that is. Today we'll talk about fright, why we love to be frightened, but we'll talk about fears and phobias and other things, and why some people really want to experience a fright and some avoid it at all cost. Um, But before we get to that, I want to talk a little bit about last week's show and, um, and what we talked about last week, and then what I did right after that show. Um, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I think many of you who listen to this show know that I'm a professor of pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and I've been working for five years very intensively on a project on early brain development that we've called Mississippi Thrive, trying to improve our system for young children in our state. And um, you know, last week, we were going to talk about Halloween and fears and phobias last week, but um, when I came in, um, our lieutenant governor was talking in general about some of the work that has been going on in early brain and early child development, and I just felt compelled to talk about it, and we did. And so listen to that podcast, if you will. There's some information about why we should be so very interested in it. Um, It's from last week. Well, then um, what I did after that on Wednesday as I went to uh, a Senate hearing on early brain development and early intervention and early care of our children. And and I just want to say, once again, I am very heartened by the fact that right now, Our legislature is willing to listen to those of us who have been working in the area of early child and early brain development 
and is ready, I do believe, to take action, to to look more into how we can help our young children. And, you know, the bottom line, I'll repeat this again. This is what I said there. Yes, it's the right thing to do, but also it's the right thing for a state because it's all about economic development for our state. Every dollar Every dollar that we spend um, is given back about 10 times um, if we invest in our very young children, okay? I'll stop there, and now I want to get back to our sort of fun topic. Well, that's fun for me because I love children so very much, but I want to get back to, to our topic at hand. Okay, Halloween just happened, right? And... Um, Some people get all into Halloween and some don't. Some people delight in being frightened and some some don't, right? Um, So horror movies are made for a reason, obviously. They're popular. People flock to see them. I'm sure many of you out there have a favorite horror movie. It may be a really old horror horror movie, or it may be a comedic horror movie. I um, I love The Young Frankenstein. I thought that was such a wonderful movie. I love The Little Shop of Horrors. I am not a big fan of, of that true, gut-wrenching, terrifying horror stuff where you're curled up in your seat and covering your eyes half the time. I'm just not that person. I'd love to talk to someone out there who is, though. Are you one of those who loves to screen and, and scream in fright? So there really is science behind the why, and we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about the fears and phobias too, and and why so many people really do have fears and phobias. Um, I bet you could guess what some of the top um, – phobias are. And um, as we're moving along, we'll get to that. I've got a couple of good stories about it. So um, why do we like to be scared? The science behind the, the scream and the fears is is really interesting. It has a lot to do with the same science that's out there on an elation and extreme happiness, the same science behind um, what people get from that extreme exercise, the marathon runner, all of that is really based in the the elation that we get from the endorphin release and the dopamine release, right? And so what happens in, like, if you attend a horror movie or if there is something going on that's really scaring you, there are some things that happen. Your heart rate goes up. Your breathing increases a little bit, right? Your um, blood pressure goes up a little bit. And then when we get through all of that, there is this elation that, that we got through it. So you have this anxiety bill, this scare bill, this scream release, perhaps, maybe you scream or not, but then when it's over, you got through it. And so it's this elation of uh, success. And that's that's kind of why so many individuals like like 
being scared. It's not it's not new. As a culture, we've we've always had sort of that craving of dealing with that intensity of experiences that then go away. And if you think about it, NASCAR drivers, same thing. Um, <clears throat> rodeo riders, same thing. Um, when we have the daylights frightened out of us, um, it pushes us to a limit um, and sometimes makes us go a little bit past what we normally would do in in our typical life. So many of us have fairly predictable lives, right? And so the elation that comes from dealing with something unpredictable, maybe the forbidden or the bizarre or the dark, um, seems to give a great deal of satisfaction to some of us. So if you think about it on a psychological level, there's an appeal to vicariously living that experience, that forbidden or that bizarre. And so horror films in particular allow us to explore something like that, but we're still safe, right? So if we can get ourselves to realize that we're in an enjoyable and safe place, then... um, or if we get to watch the bad guy do bad things, um, then but we make it through it, then perhaps there's this elation in in success, right? So um, I'd love to hear from you. Are you one of those people who loves to be scared? And if so, um, what what was that scary? scary movie that came about um what was your favorite what was the worst you know creepy stories help us release strong emotions sometimes and um like i said in our daily lives many times that just doesn't happen because we're not um we we have a very predictable life right um as i've I so, think, Dr. Buttress, you asked about the movie, right? Yeah. Minus Child's Play. Oh. Which that series has been bastardized to heck and back a thousand times over since they make a, a new version of it or a remake or a series or something. Yeah. The legacy of that movie has been trashed. But the original one in its time was ridiculously scary. If you happen to be a kid... That watched that movie. Now, why is a kid watching that movie? I don't know. <laughs> but you were one of them. <laughs> but I got to see some of that movie. And I think when that movie came out, I want to say I was nine or ten. But my grandmother had made me a Raggedy Andy doll when I was a kid. And Chucky looks like Raggedy Andy. Yeah. Red hair, all that little stuff. So I was uh, petrified that the doll in my room was going to wake up and kill me. And, uh, yeah, so, I don't know, for uh, four or five years, like, I had issues with what was around the corner in my own house and what was in the closet in my bedroom. But, no, I mean, eventually I got over it, like, last week or so. What? (laughs) This morning I came to terms with it, knowing this was going to be the topic today. I think I I may be over it. Not over it yet. Maybe over it. Not not ready. I will say that Child's Play, that movie did more damage to the doll industry (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> than anything else could have possibly yeah. 
have have done because I will tell you that I have this beautiful porcelain doll mm-hmm. that a wonderful woman in North Mississippi made, hand painted, made the clothing for her. I had her in a little cradle in one of my bedrooms upstairs in our house that I've told our listeners before. Our house uh, was built in 1929, and and people are afraid of old houses many times. <laughs> I had to remove that doll from the bedroom because guests and grandchildren all were terrified of that doll. Mm. So, Yeah. That must have been a well-made doll. Looks it's really beautiful real. Doll. It's yeah. beautiful, but um, it's in a closet now because everybody's <laughs> terrified yeah. of that beautiful little doll. Well, we have some callers who are going to jump into the conversation. Um, let's start with Stanley in Starkville. Hey, Stanley. Good. How y'all doing this morning? <laughs> doing good. Having a little fun today. Well, it sounds excellent. Anyway. The, I've got two. The first one was in 1961. I was six years old, or no, seven years old, and it was The Pit and the Pendulum with Vincent Price. Oh, yeah. That one was then, very scary. Yeah. And then the only other, the only other one that really uh, 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 scared me like that was the original Alien movie. Yeah, another great one. Working on a fishing boat and had a uh, like a 12-inch black and white TV on the boat. And well, we sat down and started watching that, and we didn't do anything until that movie was over. Were you afraid afterwards? Did you have trouble sleeping? No. Uh, <laughs> But I tell you what, while we were uh, watching the movie, I kept looking behind me. <laughs> <laughs> I can, uh, but, uh, I can imagine. Yep, that was uh, uh yeah. But uh, so, other than those two movies, not, nothing else has ever compared to them as far as giving me the heebie-jeebies. So, Stanley, do you still watch horror movies? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I love, <laughs> I don't know, maybe this says something about me that ain't all that good. I love all the alien movies. Well, you know, do you think any of that could be based in something that could be real? Uh, well, it's not so much I think it's something that could be real, but it's, uh, 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 to me, it's always been a question of the unknown. Uh-huh. We have no right now. We have we have all kinds of guesses and whatnot, but really, we really have no idea of what's out there in space. No, we don't. No, we don't. Yeah. I well, and, and then, I'm I'm one of those dark, who. Yeah. When it's dark, <laughs> you can't see if something's there or not. Well, and then your imagination can take you away. And I think, you know, I think there are many people, I don't know, I I think there's some adults who are still afraid of the dark. Um, Obviously, there are many, many children because you just, if your imagination starts going away with you and, and you can't see what's around you, then any, anything can be around you, right? So, yeah. Yeah. I'll be honest with you, I still 
make sure my feet are covered up when I go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) So nothing can grab them, right? That's it. As long as your feet are covered up, you're all right. It doesn't matter what's in the room. It can't get you. <laughs> Jay's pointing. He agrees with you completely, right? Yes, Jay? this is the, that's the golden rule. <laughs> keep, your toesies yeah. are warm. Keep, yeah. Nobody can get to you. There you go. Exactly. Well, Stanley, uh, I, one more question for you before I let you go. Um so, do you have that feeling of elation after a movie's over? Do you uh, a scary movie? They- uh, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know if I'd call it elation, but by the time, uh, well, like the Alien movies, those are the ones that I really. Uh, 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 it's like I turn all the lights out and get me a bowl of popcorn and sit down and watch the movie. And by the time the movie's over with, I've got chills. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe a little satisfaction. It sounds like it's good entertainment for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Stanley, thanks for calling and starting us off. All right. Y'all have a good one. Thanks. You too. Okay, we are going to stay on the phones because I think Belle is going to talk to us about something a bit different. Belle's in Yazoo City. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, First, I would like to address the topic that you're on, and then I'll just make a short comment. It might be better for another program. Sure. But um, I, 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 to me, I'm in my early 80s, and I remember when the thing came out, and uh, <laughs> it, <clears throat> it was about UFOs and aliens, uh-huh. and James Arnett played the thing, uh-huh. who was a plant, but he looked like a big man, but you never saw his face. And uh, I saw that a few years ago, and it, it was the cheesiest thing I ever saw. But at the end, um, this boy said, watch the skies, watch the skies. But anyway, um, I, I'm one of these that I cannot stand horror movies. Mm-hmm. They scare me to death. And uh, I don't want to go and and feel bad and come out scared all the time. <laughs> so I'm one of those that just hates them, but I know a lot of people do love them. And uh, a, a kind of a horror I have now, and I'll just address this just very briefly, and you don't have to comment on it because it'll take up your time. But uh, if it's, uh, I have something that I'm dealing with that, um, I don't think it's a phobia, but perhaps an obsession. I I get so fed up with ageism. Mm. Just, uh, but I I won't go into that. Uh, maybe that'll do for the women's program Friday. But I really enjoy your program, and I stayed home this morning just so I could listen to you. Oh, Belle, thank you for that. But before you go, Belle, I want to know what you mean about ageism. Talk talk to us for a minute. Oh, okay. I didn't mean to ruin your topic. No, you're um, not. Just uh, um, an assumption that here you come and, you know, the white hair and the bad posture and or when they get your birthday on the phone, and it's like, okay, here's somebody that doesn't have any sense. Mm. It's it's like thinking everybody that's old is senile and has lost their mind. 
Mm-hmm. And I do feel for people, don't get me wrong at all, because I know it can happen to me. But in the meantime, would you please listen to me and not make an assumption? And uh, I, wow. I had an experience at a clinic the other day, and it was from the appointment until I walked out of there. It was a textbook case, I think, of ageism. Mm. And uh, my other specialist office and my GP's office, they don't act like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just irks me no end. You know, give me credit for uh, having some sense. Yeah. And everybody, it's not just old people. You know, some ethnic groups are treated like that. Oh, and, uh, absolutely, Belle. You're bringing up a topic that is really near and dear to my heart for many reasons. I think, um, and and it goes across all spectrums. Whether we're we're dealing with um, age or skin color or or um, or sex. Um, or gender identity. I think all of that, people make ridiculous assumptions about us, and they put us all in the same box sometimes. So I think you're right, though, Belle. I love the idea of ageism being a a show topic because it's a good one, and it's one that um, I do think you're right. And I I will bring up something that... um, that's going to keep us diverted for a minute. Um, when when my father had a heart attack, I really did feel like that there was consideration, because he was 89 at the time, consideration that perhaps he didn't need the kind of intervention that we might give somebody who was 69. And um, and I remember being absolutely furious about that. So so yeah. Bell, I hear you. My father was sharp as a tack until the day he died, and so it 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 was one of those issues that um, I I do think that even in the medical field when we should not be there, we do that. Um, so another topic, but Belle, thank you so much. And by the way, I'm with you. I am not one of those who who finds great joy in the terrible, terrible horror movies. There's some I've not seen before, <laughs> but I would love to hear from others who've seen them, and and maybe we can talk about it. <laughs> Thanks for listening. This is Relatively Speaking, and I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Today we're talking about why do some people love to be scared, the horror movies, and Halloween, the scariest, scariest costumes, and loving the haunted houses and the, and the like. So, question. During this holiday season, did you watch a scary movie, visit a haunted house, or... Or even play a scary video game. Did you think about what you were feeling and what happened to your body at that moment? Did you feel better afterwards? Did you feel pleasure? Were you relieved that it was over? And and that was the pleasure, the pleasure of uh, good relief. Did you feel satisfied with yourself? Or maybe, maybe... Did you feel closer to the person that 
you were watching the movie with, perhaps, did it give you a little bit of um, attachment that you guys had had made it together and done it together? So I um, wanted you to, to kind of think about that and tell me where you were. I would love to hear from you. You know, back in the old days, I know this is true, and um, get, uh, and I may get Jay to come in on this, because back in, back in the day, um, I know that sometimes guys would love taking women to scary movies because they were more apt to have um, that date cuddle next to them and scream and hide their face and feel elated after they got through it and maybe a little bit closer. So, so Jay, did you ever do that? I didn't. You didn't? I didn't. Yeah, I never thought that deeply into it. <laughs> I did take a date to uh, Million Dollar Baby, Bad Move. That was... Uh, that turned out different than I thought. And um, <laughs> I took a date to uh, Fight Club. Yeah, yeah, not a good move. Yeah. No. I took about an hour and a half nap and uh, still woke up for the ending of that one. <laughs> yeah, that was too, too long. Not good, yeah. huh? And we went to a matinee, so it was like, it felt like I was in there for three days uh, watching Fight Club. But no, I never thought that deeply into it. No. I guess I should have figured out a way to connive movies into getting closer to women. Maybe, yeah, well. Or, or maybe women to get closer to men. Who knows? Um, who knows? I um, Okay, now, I think we should pull Lisa into this conversation. <laughs> Lisa has, uh, Lisa Lancaster is with us today, too. Now, Lisa, you have uh, a favorite movie or not so much? Not at all. Candyman. Oh, gosh. When did you see that? Um, I was a teenager, I, like early 90s when it came out. Yeah. It was It was not a, no, it wasn't fun for me. What do you remember about it? Uh, uh, just uh, nightmares. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Afterwards. Yes. Do you know, I saw, now I'm really dating myself, and I've said this on the show before, the movie Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte with Betty Davis. Um when I was little, I somehow got to watch that movie. I don't know how, um, because that was certainly not my mother's style. But I watched it with one of my older siblings. And um, I don't know, there's a, a decapitated head that rolls down the stairs um, in the early part of the movie. And they were trying to make Betty Davis go crazy. And, and I honestly... I was terrified for months. I had nightmares. Um, I wouldn't walk down our dark hallway because I was terrified. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think it's the gore for me. Like, I don't mind so much the scariness. Like, The Shining never bothered me, mm -hmm. although it was scary. But the gory stuff yeah. that's out there is yeah, not fun for me. There's a lot of gore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, my poor brother, my older brother, he's only 15 months older than I am. And, and I can remember one night going in his bedroom and shaking him awake and just telling him I was scared and could I sleep next to him. And he was just, it's like, ah, go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> 
But anyway, yeah, the gore, um, sometimes it seems needless gore is out there, too. But maybe that's what makes a movie. I don't know. Let's go back to the phones. We have John in Ridgeland, who maybe is going to explain this love to us. Hi, John. Oh, hello there. I'm calling to you from the magnificent Chateau Ridgeland. I'd like to call your attention to my to how how much of the classic fairy tales for children, appropriately mm. called grim fairy stories, mm. are like horror tales. Yeah. And they they all they all use horror to point a moral. Bad children who wander in the woods are eaten by wolves, or witches get them and try and turn them into gingerbread. Uh, as a child I was always impressed by how really rather scary <laughs> The real fairy tales were. <laughs> you know, you're you're so right, John. And that actually um, that that topic has been brought up many times. That um, some of the grim fairy tales were were not were not really written well for children because a lot of times it was scaring, trying, trying to scare children into bad behavior. You know, I don't know. It seemed to me, though, the majority of the time, the fairy tales ended up with a good ending, right? And so at least we ended up living pretty happily ever after, even though we were scared throughout. Uh, A lot of the the horror movies now, um, there is not a happy ending. Do you think there's a difference may I, there? Well, may I could add something to this? Okay. Uh, I'm old enough to remember the classic monster movies, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, the original Longshetty Werewolves, and they always aroused pity for the monster. Mm. Frankenstein wanted to be loved. People were cool to him. Yeah. The werewolf, the werewolf fought it. In the end, we felt a kind of pity as well as terror. Mm-hmm. There is one, to me, extremely discouraging fact about the current crop of horror movies and why, why I think really they, they have an abominable effect on people. I was listening to one of my programs about the nature of political ads in the United States and the the people in the ad companies who grow rich making these things said they're basically based on hacker slasher horror movies. If you'll stop and think about that for a moment, in the current crop of horror movies, the music is very important. When you hear a diminished seventh, you know something awful is about to happen. Exactly. And there, and there are terrible, horrible, evil forces that may win. And and ad person after ad person said they got their political inspiration for one of these things from hacker slasher movies, and that is the basic style of our now of our paranoia, of our fear of each other, and of a really kind of smoldering evil, hmm. not in the world, but, but in ourselves. Wow, John, you are bringing up a point that is that is just, I think, dead on. The difference in the, the horror movies, the scary movies that 
that occurred back in the old, um, you you really, it did often engender. I would love to hear if there's a new horror movie that sort of engendered the sadness and the pity sometimes for for example, Frankenstein, like you brought up, because he really did, like you said, wanted to he wanted to be loved. And so there was not the absolute all bad. You saw a glimmer of perhaps goodness or or need for love or something positive in in the monster, right? But but now in, in many of the few horror movies that I've watched, because I, I do it sometimes just to be a companion, um, many times they're all bad. There's no glimmer of anything good. There, you know, mayhem is all that's being caused, and you don't see anything that could potentially be a, a positive point in that bad individual and I wonder if if that like you just said if it's part of our societal move to either all bad or all good and you know just pardon me for mentioning politics but but you know all red or all blue and and how many of many of us talk about maybe a little purple is good you know maybe a little other other color lavender is good or whatever uh you want to be and so i think your point is a really good one that that ought to make us all think a little bit about where where we are in our lives i never thought we'd get to a physical philosophical conversation when we were talking about horror movies but i think you you hit on something thank you yeah John, thanks so much for calling. That was that was good. Um, and, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear what other people think about that. I, I, you know, we, we've talked about um, violence in, in movies before, and there's always been violence in movies, but is the violence different? And, and I wonder if, if even in our movies, the horror is different along those same lines, you know? Um, and so, um, yeah, think about that. If there were all those old horror monsters out there, was there sometimes um, goodness there, Jay? That's an interesting question. Yeah. But it, it, what, some of what he was talking about made me think about, and you too, how media in this is different today than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it is, you know, because there's so much going on. There's so much content out there that you almost need to shock people in a way. And you, you can't as much tell stories as you used to be able to. And so... Uh, shows like Alfred Hitchcock Presents yeah. and The Twilight Zone, yeah. things like that, they don't, I mean, there's not really as much of a space, or at least that I see anymore, uh, for storytelling like that. And uh, I mean, The Twilight Zone especially, uh, it had some, you know, pretty breakneck graphics yeah. and technology for the day. It did. And there's a couple of those episodes that, I mean, they it freaked mass amounts of people out to the point that you know, there's a couple of those episodes that they would not play on television for years and years and years after the fact, mm-hmm. because people 
were so frightened by not necessarily what they saw, but maybe subconsciously the story, the story behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like I, there's one episode where uh, you're following this woman along as she's worried that uh, aliens are about to abduct her in her house. And then at the end, you see that her and the aliens abducting her are little bitty pieces of a grander picture. Like mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. other people who I are watching them. us, yeah. like we're a little, like we're, you know, grain, yeah. like grains of sand and in, a, in an hourglass. Yeah. 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 And I, that is something, television was new enough that that medium, that, that, that idea had not really been mass presented to anybody. And boy. It was pretty powerful. When, when people yeah. in mass get that idea presented to them for the first time, that's that's amazing media and pretty shocking. But we have so much of that stuff now that you kind of have to you have to jolt people, you have to overcompensate mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, and you can't just tell those stories like they used to be able to anymore. I think that's a great point. The storytelling and the building of it. And many times it was slow. It was a slow build. Very there, slow. there wasn't mm-hmm. that really rapid action movement mm-hmm. that you see now. And and if it doesn't move rapidly, then it's it's just nobody's gonna watch it. Yeah. So, oh, in the age of scrolling yeah. through yeah. Instagram and Twitter and everything yeah. else. Yeah. yeah. So Alfred Hitchcock presents would it would never work in today's never work. In today's uh, social media platform. Maybe you should try it, um, listeners, if you haven't, because I think, Jay, your point's great. Okay, now, Linda from Memphis is on the line next, and she has some comments about one of my favorite topics, murder mysteries. Hey, Linda. Hey, how are you both? Look, well, I just want to say this, too. Alfred Hitchcock and The Twilight Zone as well is, is, is alive and well on all the streaming services. I watch them daily. I, I grew up in the 60s, and, you know, I'm a child born in the 50s. So they're, they're alive and well, and I introduce a whole group of, of folks at work to this, you know, while we're at work. Those stories are well well written. And they are. Just so, oh, just so, yeah, I love them. But, but, but the murder mystery... I, I think that that's the new a uh, new horror genre because you know every, every everybody has um, it started with Dateline for me mm-hmm. and then it just bloomed on out and um, now you know and it's not that I enjoy the 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 gore I guess it's just like Stephen King said that he wrote stories because he knew that uh, there were bad people out there and, and and he wanted folks to recognize them or something like that but I think. People are fascinated with with murder mystery because you never know who you're sitting next to in the cafeteria. Ah. Maybe that's a- <laughs> well, that's a scary thought. <laughs> <laughs> well, I meant mean, I mean for it to be a little scary, but you know, you know it's just a, it's just you know, um, it's, it's a it's a it's a it's a different world now, so you just have to be careful. Well, well, it is, Linda, and I. I thought you were going to bring up some of the the murder she wrote or the Agatha Christie kind of stuff. I was always such a big fan of of those because it's kind of hmm, murder light, if you will. That um, always a little bit of of comedy to it, but a lot of imagination and trying to figure it out. One of my friends just recently participated in one of those. Um, it was because of the October month and Halloween, but had a dinner where they had to solve a murder. Um, yeah. And um, 
found that it was just a lot of fun and enjoyable. So uh, I was going to say, um, I wonder if other listeners have participated in something like that. Those are fun. Well, I don't want to forget Sherlock Holmes and most of his stories, the old Basil Rathbone and Niger Bruce stories, they were always centered around murder. Somebody got murdered. So that's kind of that's kind of suspenseful and scary too. Yeah. But a lot of of brain power and think time and you know, the yeah. build to Jay's point again, the building of the story and all, I thought, um, always so good. Right. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Well, Linda, well, thanks thank for thank you so much. Well, thank you for letting me comment. You have a great day. Bye bye. You do. All right. Thanks for joining us today. We're talking about fear, horror movies. Why? Why do some people love them so much? And and is it okay? Is it good for us? Probably so. It. It can cause that same elation as you get through it that things like exercise do for you or lovemaking or whatever. All right. We're going to go right on back to the phones. Um, We have Kat in Mobile who wants to talk to us about scary things. Hey, Kat. Um, Yes, ma'am. Good morning. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for calling. Yes, ma'am. I had two quick things. Um, One... I do have a fear of needles. I don't like I, I don't like needles. Um, a lot of people. Well, um, I had both of my children match. Oh, I'm so strong, but I'm really a coward. I just don't like needles. Um, <laughs> and so that was just my one of my personal fears. Has that been I, one of those things that has made it hard for you to get through life sometimes? Oh, yeah, I, I, yeah, mm-hmm. no, I need a, I'd rather take liquid gel uh, medication anytime. And people laugh at me because I'm an adult. But I tell them, before you take my blood, down my arm, one, two, three, let's spell it out, and then, you know, stick me with the needle. Don't just walk up and stick me. I will cry, even though I'm an adult. <laughs> I want nurses. So, you know, I'm, I'm not aggressive. But I just let people know, just, I need a one, two, three. Alcohol pad and then take the blood. But don't just surprise me. Don't surprise you. Well, it sounds like you've coped through it and you've kind of opened the door for me to talk about um, phobias and fears and when they need treatment. And um, and so we can we can talk about that. Uh, Did you it sounded like you had another point you wanted to bring up, Kat? I don't have to. We don't have much time. Teach us how to cope, and I thank you for your time. <laughs> okay, Kat, I will do that. So so let me just real quickly tell you, a phobia is something that is an uncontrollable, irrational, and lasting fear of a certain thing. It could be an object, a situation, or an activity. Okay, so, so for example... A phobia of flying, an individual who is terrified of flying and who won't get on an airplane and so it interferes with their life to be able to go, say, visit a relative or or do something that that might incredibly improve their life. Um, 
phobia of needles is is not an uncommon phobia. In fact, it is one of those things that really can be um, very, very difficult all the way into adulthood, as as Kat has has demonstrated. Now, does her phobia or fear, I think hers is more a fear because she doesn't completely avoid it. And her response um, doesn't sound like it's a panic attack. In phobias, many times they can generate a complete panic attack. So an unrealistic, overwhelming fear of something that is not not going to be deadly, not going to, not going to, well, in most cases, and is, is not, not going to cause problems. So that sudden intense fear that lasts for several minutes, even when there's no real danger is, is what a phobia really is. And, and there are millions of people in the U.S. who have those. Um, So the, when do those need to be treated? Those need to be treated when you cannot be, get beyond it, when it really is a, interfering with life. Whether you're an adult or a child, it's really important to try to deal with that phobia. And so so let me tell you, um, it used to be this gradual desensitization and teaching you that you shouldn't you really shouldn't be um, fearful of that. So to not not accept the emotion, but to try to go to a different place, go to a beach, go to a positive thought. Well, the therapists have found that, that really that's not the best way to treat it. The best way to treat it is to deal with your fear, to say, yes, I'm scared, but I'm going to control that. I am going to teach myself to face my fear and step through it and come out on the other side. It's kind of like what we've been talking about watching that horror movie and coming out on the other side. So, oh boy, I win. And so um, the therapists now who are well-trained in treating phobias um, teach people how to face their fears, how to learn how to control, to to deep breathe, to lower their blood pressure, and control that fight-or-flight phenomena so that they can come out on the other side. Now, many times it takes several therapies, but it shouldn't take a lifetime. It may take six or eight treatments, but to to work on that. Um, So I would encourage any of you out there who have phobias that you feel like are interfering with your life to to try to approach that. Okay, before the end of the show, we have Mikey from Mobile who has one last comment for us about scary movies. Hey, Mikey. Oh, hey. I I wish it was just a scary movie, but you just led into it so perfectly, Doctor. Um, uh, There are times when there are things that happen and people who bring things that are scary into your life and very close up. And I have decided um, after, you know, being very distraught about it for uh, a a few weeks or whatever, um, uh, being victimized by it, that I give give up victimization. I am not going to be a victim. I am going to go like 
Tom Petty, <laughs> the Tom Petty song, she went down swinging. Because, look, if they're going to kill you, they're going to kill you anyway. <laughs> Mikey, and that... So, um, you know, don't give them the satisfaction of... That's right. That's right. You actually um, brought up another great show, um, Victimization and How Can We Keep From Being a Victim. All right. So those of you who love those horror movies, keep enjoying them. Um, If you have a phobia, though, do get treatment. There's great treatment for phobias out there. And um, happy, happy to help. If any of you want to send an email, do it, and I will give you resources. So Southern Remedies, a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, and funded as provided in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and then support from you. So thanks, Lisa Lancaster, for being with us today. Jay Wright, Jay White, and Charles Arnold. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.